Statistics indicate the rate of depression, anxiety, and even suicide is increasing like never before. And did you know that many of these issues are linked to our children having too much screen time and too much gaming? Dr. Victoria Dunkley is going to share what too much screen time can do to a child's developing brain and what can be done to fix this serious situation. We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids. Hello and welcome back to Raising Christian Kids. I'm excited to have Dr. Victoria Dunkley on the show today, and she's an award-winning integrative child psychiatrist at the Center for Life in Los Angeles. She is an internationally recognized expert on the impact of screen time on the developing brain. Recently named one of America's top psychiatrists, Dr. Dunkley has been featured on Psychology Today, NBC Nightly News, CNN, Good Morning America, and more. She is the author of the groundbreaking book, Reset Your Child's Brain, now published in 11 languages. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Thank you, Leanne. I'm so happy we finally <laughs> got to sit here and be together and talk. Yes, it's, it's been a back and forth uh, with conflict of schedules and mm-hmm. COVID and all kinds of things. So I'm <laughs> just so happy to have you finally on the show. So can you tell us? your motivation for writing this outstanding book, Reset Your Child's Brain, and how do you hope it will help future generations? So I started looking at the effects of screen time 20 years ago, it's been now, when I was working with kids who were in the system, you know, had histories of trauma and or abuse, and they were always in this state of fight or flight. So they had like a hair trigger response to stress. And I started realizing with those kids that we could see if they were gaming a lot, because some of the places I worked, we, you know, the kids actually lived there. If they were gaming that right afterwards, they would tend to act out and throw things and be very aggressive. And conversely, if we just removed everything altogether, not just cut down, but removed everything, they started to get unstuck and make improvements. And then from there, I started applying the same intervention in my private practice, whether the child had ADHD or anxiety, OCD. T- I was seeing a lot of kids with tics and Tourette syndrome. And no matter what the issue was, they got better. And so I started to get this reputation for treating kids who were difficult to treat or nobody knew what to do with. And that was really my only secret weapon was I just took them off screens. At that time, it was really just video games. And so obviously things are a lot different now, but the principles are all the same because the brain hasn't changed. So I really focused on, you know, I took a deep dive into what was happening when kids were on devices and interacting with those devices, what was happening in the brain. And then what was conversely, what was happening when they got off of screens. So I just, my, my goal really is to give people the education of the brain, the physiology piece, so that they understand the rationale of the power of actually removing screens altogether, at least for an extended period, and how that should be the guiding force, not these blanket guidelines that people are trying to use that don't work for most children. I, I have to say my son was addicted to video gaming. And when he quit, he became a a totally different child, young adult, actually, 180. 
Uh, he was more responsive, more engaging, and it took a while. It took a while mm-hmm. for him to actually come to who he was as I known him before he had started heavy gaming. And now we, you're saying it's not only gaming, but we have so many more other screens inflicting the, the child's brain and on a deeper level because you've done this, this deep research. Yes. And it was really the research. Yes, we have to look at the research, but really it was taking kids off of screens and then seeing them go back on and seeing what happened and then watching them over the years. Some of these kids I've seen, you know, from the time that they were five to now they're adults. So watching them over the years and seeing, and I could see what, you know, immediately when they came in, I could see if they were back on screens or, or gaming again, or on social media again, or they, you know, a new device came into the home. So I think, yeah, cases where the child is addicted to video games or things like that, it's more obvious, but there's so many marketing messages that get pushed like, oh, well, if it's educational, it's okay. As long as they stop using screen time an hour before bed, it's okay. They're not going to have any problems. And that is just simply not true. So I think the important thing is really looking at, there's no way to safely do it, even in small amounts for many kids. The brain is just too sensitive. The brain is still developing. It's artificial and intense stimulation that we're not meant to be able to handle on a day-to-day basis, especially if the brain is still developing. And your your book is extremely, extremely resourceful. And you've done a lot of research. What is the orienting response? And how can the cardiovascular system get damaged from screen time? So one of the things that's helpful to realize is The first thing that happens when somebody, when a screen comes into someone's visual view is that the orienting response is really an automatic response that's driven by our biology and and it's from evolution. So we are geared to orient towards something that is either going to provide us food or protect us from a predator or procreate. So we are drawn to things that move, that are brightly colored, that are stimulating. And that that has helped us survive over over eons. So we can, it's very hard to fight it. So when screens are in the classroom, for example, even if they're being used appropriately, which most of the time they're not, but even if kids are using them appropriately, we know that laptops in the classroom are distracting because of that visual orienting response. So you take the orienting response, which makes, which makes it hard to pull away. And by the way, another part of that is that the head comes forward when you look at like laptop, for example. So even with ergonomics, it's very hard for kids to have healthy posture when they're on a laptop because the head comes forward. I have that, that I developed that writing the book, <laughs> ironically. But on top of the orienting response, that's just the beginning. So then we have all the ways that this screens hijack our reward system. So they make, there's all these engineers that do different things to make, to keep your eyeballs on the screen, to keep the person interacting with the device and to keep them coming back for more. And that's a whole topic unto itself. But when that happens, we have dopamine gets released and that's the the feel good chemical, but it also is important for paying attention, for mood, for motivation, things like that, and in movement. So when that gets hijacked, the dopamine receptors become desensitized. So it takes more and more stimulation for the for the child to pay attention. And hence, what we see is that, you know, everything else is boring and they stop losing interest in, in screen-free activities. They can't learn and everyone's like, oh, well, they need, you know, they need to have some more screen time so that they can pay attention. 
or, you know, the parent says, well, they're not interested in anything else. Well, that's because their dopamine system is dysregulated and desensitized. So that happens. Blood flow tends to shift because screens cause increased arousal. But when you do that day in and day out, you go into a state of hyperarousal and that looks like a chronic stress picture. So when that happens, the body clock gets thrown off because we're hyperaroused even at night. The dopamine system is affected, as I mentioned. The body clock also affects serotonin, which is the, the brain chemical that helps gives us a sense of well-being and keeps us calm. That's why you see all these kids that are anxious and depressed. And then electrically, there's it, it excites the brain. So kids who are sensitive to electrical phenomenon in the brain, kids that have migraines, kids that have tics, kids that have seizures, or even just regular headaches, like that it's the brain gets overexcited from all this electrical stimulation. And then just the multitasking piece. So adults do it too, but kids are notorious for trying to get their homework done and they're Googling and they're texting and they're on social media and they're watching YouTube videos. That also increases the stress response. And that when that happens, we know that multitasking is terrible for learning and it actually slows down learning and kids, ironically, even though they think they're good at it, they're actually the worst at it. So all of these things are happening at the same time. And there's too much emphasis on well, these are part of our lives, so we need to just figure out how to handle them. But really, we can't fool Mother Nature. So we just we really have to work more with what our brain is naturally intended to handle and, and try to minimize screen use as much as possible. People are going to have it, you know, going to be dealing with it their whole lives anyway. But if you can kind of protect the brain as much as possible until the mid-20s, the chances of the brain being able to be to handle it and be more resilient are much higher. So we're seeing kids now that have high blood pressure. And again, this is that chronic stress response. Cortisol is the chronic stress hormone. So we have both acute stress hormones, like the adrenaline, and then also chronic stress, which is cortisol. Cortisol affects not only just blood pressure and you know, kind of feeling revved up all the time, but it also affects insulin regulation. And that is what controls weight gain and blood sugar and all these metabolic and hormone pathways. So once that starts happening, we're seeing, you know, an explosion of childhood obesity. And you can see, I've seen all these teens, they get a phone and six months later, they're starting to gain weight. And it, it's, it's deceiving because we think, oh, well, they're developing their, they're going to gain weight anyway during this time. But then it starts to creep up. And by the time they're in their early 20s, they're already a little bit overweight. And to me, that is from having this introduction of the smartphone during this sensitive period where their, their, their hormones and everything like that are still really in flux. So there are many ills that we see today as a direct result of being on too much screen time. Yes. Yeah, so a lot of these issues, all the metabolic issues and the weight gain, the posture issues, we're seeing a lot of visual issues. And of course, then there's the, the mental health crisis that's going on. All of these things are related to screen time. Recently, the Surgeon General put out a statement that he felt that social media wasn't appropriate for a 13-year-old. And I was like, hallelujah, like, please, if we could just make some kind of recommendation, I would love it if it was just illegal until kids were 18. I mean, that would solve so many problems. It would save us so much money. Kids would be happier. Um, they would be learning more. We're, we're trying to like tackle this problem from the side all the time and without really addressing the root issue. The suicide problem is, you know, it's, it's really 
exploding. And, you know, I think there's a lot of emphasis on providing more mental health services, which of course needs to happen. But if the brain is dysregulated and all this, this chemistry and the body clock and all that stuff is, is off and out of whack, you could put all the support in the world in place and the child is still not going to feel better. And same with social media. You know, we think, oh, well, if they just use it in a healthy way and they're avoiding bullies and they're avoiding the self, the body image issues, that it's that then they can use social media. Well, no, we know that screen time in and of itself is associated, especially light at night, like using screens at night is associated with, with depression and suicidal feelings and, and suicide completion. And we know that there's several international studies making that link. So it's not just social media that's causing this suicide problem. It's really the screen time with the social media layered on top of it. Well, this is why it was so important. I really wanted to have you on the show. We've talked about social media and the cell phones, but it is getting to a level that is above and beyond anything we've ever thought of right now. It's just getting progressively worse and worse. And it's like we've been putting a Band-Aid on the problem and Mm -hmm. you've highlighted what we need to do. And I love your list of screen-free toys and suggested activities. How can we help our kids stop gaming on their screens and start gaming with their families using board <laughs> games going outside? Is, do you see any solution how we can solve this problem? Well, I think it's really parent, important for parents to appreciate the fact that the kids really do want to spend time with their parents. A lot of them, you know, we always think of teenagers as saying like, oh, we don't want to be with our parents. But I've had many teenagers in my office in tears because they feel ignored. So, and a lot of that is because we're on our own devices and we're so, you know, connected 24-7. And that's been worse since COVID because every, you know, a lot of things went remote and have stayed that way. So I think that the first thing is to make sure that parents are present when they're with their children, put the devices away, designate certain nights for game night, things like that. But I will say, if you're trying to implement all these things like family time, board game night, whatever, and it's not working, it works better to just remove screens altogether than to try to keep trying and trying and trying and trying. Because I've seen parents, you know, lose six months or a year trying to make that work. And, and then when they finally take the screens away, then like you were describing, it's a new child. I've heard that expression so many times. And, and sometimes within a few weeks or even a couple of days, you can see a difference. Well, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. You are America's top psychiatrist. You really know this <laughs> regarding what's going on with our children and how we can help them. Thank you, Leanne. I appreciate it. And this is how we all work together to raise strong, healthy Christian kids. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.